friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. So excited to get to see you again, Marcus, and get to reconnect after meeting you at Project Dance, which was so fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same here. Thank yes. you for thank you for reaching out. Yeah, I'm so glad to get to have you on the show and so many good things that we're going to get to dive into today like talking about your journey and also looking at like how can we have a little bit more financial literacy as artists and mm. know how to be successful not only artistically but financially logistically so I'm Absolutely. super excited. Yes. Absolutely. Me too. I I can't wait to to share some of the things that you know I've been working on and you know trying to trying to put out there for everybody. Yes, so cool. So just to give a little overview of who Marcus is. So Marcus Medina is a dancer and also an actor and does a lot of like stunt work, which I'm super excited to hear about. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And also, so currently you're working with Zion Dance Project, right? Uh, Yes, our season, our season with Zion actually just ended. So we got a couple of weeks off and then the next big thing, the next big event for Zion will be their summer series, which is happening at the end of June. Cool. But Zion just wrapped up. Yeah. Gotcha. Very cool. And then Marcus, yeah. you also have your own production company, which is really yes. super cool, which we'll get to talk about today. And yeah, a lot of really fun projects happening with photography, yeah. videography, doing headshots for people and film. So super, super fun. Absolutely. And I would love to let you share anything else that you would want to kind of give a little intro about who you are and then we'll kind of dive into your journey. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I I went to an art school from the time I was in kindergarten. So, there was a there was a new art school, it was a there was called Magnet Choice Schools back then. Oh, cool. I don't know what what they call them now, but I got accepted into an art school from kindergarten, so I I was introduced to the arts from K through 8th grade in acting, mm-hmm. music, instruments, chorus, dance, things like that. And so when I got to high school, I was like, you know what? I actually really kind of like this whole arts thing. So I played about one year of sports my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I decided to jump full force into dance. And so I got involved in dancing with that. My high school year was a competition kid. And then luckily enough, from the moment I graduated high school, I was able to start working professionally in the entertainment industry. So I was able to, you know, make that just my career path kind of right off the bat. Right. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of a little bit how I got into arts. I've kind of been in it for as long as I can remember, honestly. Yeah, that's so incredible. I love yeah. I love how it was just almost like just part of your DNA, how God created you yeah. and you were already interested in it and then that you were able to be in an environment that was fostering that, you know, and continuing to develop those skills and everything. So I'm curious to hear about your experience with competitive dance in high school. Yeah, What did that look like for you? Because I've definitely been a little bit more in that world with uh, my studio growing up was more ballet focused. So we did more of like the ballet production side Mm -hmm. of things. But then I was also on dance and had a lot of friends that were in competitive studios. So were you like going to conventions, doing like the you know, content, oh, yeah. competitions every weekend kind of deal in the spring. Oh, yeah. 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 So one of the things that I really, really liked about my dance studio um, and the studio that I went to, it was very much so like we when you decided to get trained, when you decided to do 
you know, the, the competition team or the travel team, mm-hmm. right? It was training that was essentially saying, okay, even if this is not what you want, we're going to give you training and we're going to take you places that is going to foster the professional artist in you. Cool. So that's what I really like. I really like that about my studio, especially coming in a little bit later, started at 10th grade. Yeah. You know, so they very quickly like took me in and I was taking two to three ballet classes a week, two jazz technique classes a week, a hip hop class. I took tap, musical theater, ballroom. Like it was very Uh much like, all right, you're doing this. We're going to foster the professional in you. So we, we went to so many competitions and dance conventions and I made so many great connections just from competition alone like people that I danced with and even teachers that I took classes from like it's honestly one of the best networking for dancers Mm -hmm. is to be kind of in that convention world if they want to take it seriously too when they get older right makes sense makes sense so I'm curious to hear so like right after you graduated you said you were able to start jumping into some professional work yes what were maybe some of the things that you did and any favorite stories experiences Yeah. So the very first, so it's actually really funny. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 18 years old, 17 or 18, 17 or 18. Somewhere around there. And the studio that the competition studio that I was telling you about, we went on a cruise, you know, it was like a celebratory cruise. Cool. And um, we performed on the cruise ship like two nights during that cruise, the guests got to come, et cetera. And the entertainment director, the cruise entertainment director, he goes up to my studio owner and I was like, hey, we want to hire your boy. <laughs> so I think I was 17. I, I think I was 17, actually, because she said she said, well, he can't come work for you guys yet because he's not 18. Right. And so he was like, well, you know, whenever he turns 18, give him my card. And, you know, I would love to love to have him come audition. But That's aside cool. from that, that was like. That was just kind of the moment for me because I always wanted to do this, but that was kind of the moment for me where I was like, I can do this. Mm, like, yeah, like I can actually pursue this, you know? Yeah. So that was that was that moment for me. Um, But the first the first job that I got was dancing for my hometown NBA team, the Orlando Magic. Cool. Yeah, it was it was a new hip hop team. So before they had this, they had just the magic dancers, which was, you know, cheer, palm, palm squad type of thing. Right. And the year that I auditioned was the first year that they rolled out a co-ed hip hop team. Ah, so cool. yeah, pretty, pretty cool there to be on like that foundation, foundation hip hop team yes. there. So I did that. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, we we did two minute routines up to six minute routines, mm-hmm. every single home game for thousands of people in the arenas. I mean, yeah. got to talk to some NBA players, just some some really cool experiences. That's fun. Yeah. It seems like yeah. it would be just a fun experience to get to to have that. And how long were you with them? I did that for two years. Okay. So I did I did that. It was the first year, it was just regular in court and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so then we transitioned from you know, on-court performances to music video performances. Okay. And then towards the end of that second year, we were allowed back in the stadium. So then I was able to go back in. So I did, I did it for about two, two and a half years. Nice. That's awesome. And now at yeah. that same time, were you also in school? I was. So I was, I was doing the most. Yeah. <laughs> All the things. All the things. I mean, I, I was doing, um, 
I was doing extracurriculars at college, obviously, you know, studying for my classes and things like that. So it was a lot, but you know, it it was, it was still good. It was, it was good. That's awesome. So what was your degree in? Entertainment management. Entertainment management. Awesome. Now, can you give us a bit of an overview, like the, the summary of what, what that means as far as like what you would hope to pursue when you get a degree like that? Yeah. So it's honestly, it's just a business degree focused on the entertainment industry. Gotcha. So okay. like I had to take entertainment law classes, digital marketing, an events and entertainment class, event planning. It's very much like an event management degree and a business degree and a sports marketing degree mm-hmm. kind of rolled into one. Okay. And with a focus on the entertainment industry, live productions, things like that. And, you know, there's so many jobs that you could get with that. Like in the in your course catalog, it says like casting director, talent acquisition, event planner, entertainment marketer, mm-hmm. things like that. Right. But I mean, just for my life in general, just for me, like it's helped me so much with knowledge of contracts when I'm like when I have to negotiate contracts with people, yeah. understanding contracts the business side of things, like you said, we'd talk about mm-hmm. a little bit later, but you know, that's a huge part to to arts and entertainment too. And then even like starting up the production company is mm-hmm. like, okay, what what is it that I need to do? What benchmarks do I need to hit, et cetera? So it's, yeah. you know, it's all it's all encompassing. Yeah. It seems like it would be so valuable to have that that education and that experience to, like you said, feel kind of all these different areas that you've been working in. And yeah. I guess before we get into that, so do you work at Disney? Is that right as well? Uh, Universal. 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 Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Orlando. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So actually, so I got into Universal my first year doing the Orlando Magic Dance Team. Okay. Met this guy on the team who also did like stunt fighting, stunt acting, things like that. Mm-hmm. And he he approached me. He was like, man, like, like we, uh, one of the jobs that I'm, I'm working at is looking for people. He was like, I think you'd be great. And I was like, well, you know, I had, I had a martial arts background as a kid. Mm-hmm. I did Taekwondo up until I was 14. I did boxing in high school. Nice. So I was like, why not? You know, why, why not try for it? So I trained for about two weeks with him. I did some privates with him mm-hmm. and, and trained for about two weeks. And then I went to the audition for the Bourne Stuntacular, which is a, a live action Jason Bourne show. Fun. And ended up getting the lead. Whoa, so, that's crazy. And so yeah, cool. <laughs> just, yeah, it's literally just, just crazy moments. So ended up getting the lead in that show and did that for two and a half years. So it's just a lot of, like a lot of stunt combat, mm-hmm. stage fighting. I, I got to hang from like a 40 foot ceiling and fly in like just so many different cool little stunts and that's ultimately what kind of segued my way into film and television with that gotcha very fun yes and i i saw that you do like well that makes sense but like the parkour stuff and all of that kind of side of things and acro and yeah that just sounds like so much fun and this may surprise some people that are listening but i actually really love the born series <laughs> like the movies oh yeah um, they're so fun oh, yeah. and so that that's they really are. awesome did you do some like research rewatch the movies that kind of thing to get yourself in character it's so funny we did watch the movies we watched them like as a cast nice it's just funny because coming from like the stunt side of things and i don't know i don't know like 
if anybody else has watched the movies that's listening etc mm-hmm. but the way that the born movies are filmed you can't ever really see all the fighting that's happening like the camera movement is very like yeah all over the place that's a good point um, i hadn't thought about that before yeah yeah so when we're watching them we're like well we can't do that can't do that can't do that because it's for theater yeah. right so the audience it's it's a whole different perspective um, when you're doing it for theater than for film because you need the audience to be able to understand what they're seeing, mm-hmm. you know. That makes sense. But yeah, it was it was still a cool little little thing to to see it on the big screen. Yes, for sure, for sure. So after kind of your work, well, college experience, and then doing some of those professional gigs, what brought you to Dallas, to Texas area? Yeah. So essentially. It was in college when I really found my faith. Yeah. I was in college when I really found my faith. And I was doing all these gigs, right? I was doing I was doing a diff, just different freelance stuff too, not just like the magic and and born, but you know, some different music videos, concept videos, different dance gigs for different events and things like that. And I was just I was just doing all this work. Mm-hmm. And it started to feel really meaningless. You know, yeah, it really it really just started to feel meaningless, even though I was doing what I wanted to do. It just didn't feel purposeful. Mm. You know, it didn't feel like it had. It had a purpose. And so I just got to a place, like I said, I just started taking my faith seriously. And I got to a place where I was like, you know, I. I need a reset. I need a restart. I, I want to do something for the Lord. Like I want to, yeah. I want to do something for God and I want to kind of add some, some more purpose behind what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I moved to Texas, moved to Dallas, Texas, 2021. Yeah. I think, I don't know, these years go by and you just don't even, I know. you can't keep track. It's, and especially, I feel like especially the last few years because of the pandemic and everything, time is a little bit just yeah. off. <laughs> so, it's, weird. it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, I moved, moved to Dallas here about about two years ago um and i moved here for a christian dance company called ingredients dance company oh yeah yep with dance revolution awesome and so i did that year with them we like we trained in all styles of dance did a lot of ministry it was really awesome to you know be in a a christian dance convention environment having come from you know that competition convention yes that's a cool connection there that oh yeah yeah, to be able to kind of be back in that world but in a a different light and having that faith element yeah we had michelle or i had michelle brogan on the podcast and she was awesome as well so if anyone i'll I'll link to it because she yeah yeah backstory of dance revolution and everything absolutely that's awesome absolutely yeah so i did just just being there it really opened my eyes to so much. That's where I kind of got my mission and my vision was was being there. Mm, cool. Like kind of with what I'm doing now. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a it was a wake up call. Honestly, it was a wake up call because before before going to that first year in the training program, you know, like I said, it was just meaningless gig after gig wasn't really purposeful, wasn't really, you know, it didn't really have any fulfillment. And then mm-hmm. going there for that first year and seeing what dance really can be when you partner it with the Lord and, you know, yeah. just the impact that it had, it's really shifted my perspective and and who I am now. So, wow. yeah. That's awesome. I love just 
you talking about like when you started really diving into your faith and taking it more seriously, this would be backtracking a little bit, but do you mind sharing a little bit of that journey and just kind of what brought you to that point? Yeah, no, not at all. So, you know, I, I grew up in church for as long as I, t- I can remember. I, I went to church, mm-hmm. but it was very much so a church on Sunday and that's where it stayed kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, as a kid, my parents will tell you, people will tell you, I loved church. Like I I loved church as a kid. I loved going, loved being part of productions and different things. Mm-hmm. But my eighth grade year, I lost a very, very close relative of mine. Mm. And things kind of just spiraled for me from there. Yeah. So, you know, people always go through their little rebellious phases. Mine was through high school and into that first part of college. Mm-hmm. But then, and this is this is going to sound a little crazy, but that's the best. It's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the straight up truth. So whoever's listening, just you know, hear me out. Yeah. But a, an individual, a mutual friend, right? I've never never spoken to him before. Never met with him face to face. He was just a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. And we followed each other on Instagram. You know how that works, right? When, yeah. You, know, you, you follow people on Instagram you've never met before. And it's just a connection, you know? Right. So he he ended up texting me on Instagram, you know, and he's just like, hey, you know, I, I feel like I've got to call you. I feel like we got to talk. And so we got on the phone and he proceeded to let the Lord use him and told me things that a complete stranger should not know about me. Mm. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm not invisible. My my hurt's not invisible. My pain's not invisible. Mm. The things I've been through is not invisible. Like there's a God out there who sees me. Wow. And I gave my life to the Lord very seriously that day. Like like an actual commitment, not just like me still going to church, you know? Yeah. And uh, that that was that kind of like faith faith journey there. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing. It's just yeah. always really so cool to hear people's story and their, their experience with, yeah, almost like faith becoming your own, you know? Yeah. Even when you've grown up in that environment and everything. So yeah, super cool. So yeah, you, you made your way to Texas. What do you feel like you learned about like God and who he is in that transition season? Oh man, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, still learning. You know, there's, oh man, there's so much, so much to learn and so much to just know, not just like, not, not book wise, Bible wise, but character wise. Mm. I think for me, that was the biggest thing that I learned. And honestly, the biggest thing that I'm still learning and still still figuring out, because like I said, growing up in church, I had a lot of book knowledge of who God was. Mm. And even, you know, coming to the Lord, I read the Bible like I mean, I read the Bible the way a kid loves candy. Like I I read that thing so much. So I had a lot of book knowledge Mm -hmm. of who God was and coming to Texas, coming to ingredients, being just in that environment. And like you said, learning in, in that season, I learned a lot of who the personality and the character of God. I learned more about that. And like I said, still learning, mm-hmm. still seeking, but that was the big thing. Yeah, for sure. Any like elements of his character and who he is stand out to you a lot right now? 
Yeah, uh, provider, definitely provider. Life doesn't come without its challenges. And when you trust God to provide and you trust him with your tithe and your offering and things like that, you know, I learned a lot about God as provider mm-hmm. and as father, honestly, not just not just creator, not just king of the universe, not just, you know, the the all powerful, you know, yeah, like God. who makes God. Demons, <laughs> Right. Not just the all powerful God who makes demons shriek, but, you know, also as like a comforter and a father and, you know, somebody who cares. Mm, you know, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So. It feels like that would also be a big, just a faith step to step out and be like, I'm going to totally change everything that I'm doing. And like, you know, you leave a lot of the connections that you had and. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to share a little bit about how that felt? It felt like if I had a Siamese twin and they got separated from me, that's how it felt. Man. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, yeah. No. It was a huge transition. Like it was, like you said, it was a big faith jump, leaving everything that I knew, all the jobs that I had, you know, all of the financial security, the emotional security, like just my family, like my family's still in Florida. Yeah. So just leaving everything behind, it was, it was a very big separation process. And there were so many times where I was like, I could just go back. I could just go back. Like I could go back to Florida and I'll like, I'll have this waiting for me, this waiting for me, that blah, blah, blah. blah. But each and every time the Lord was like, Nope, Nope. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta keep surrendering that because a lot of times the easiest way and the path of least resistance is not the best way to go. Yeah. That's so true. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it can be most of the time in those uncomfortable places where I feel like God is growing us and we're learning to rely on him and like, yeah, so hard, but so good. Yeah. So after that time with ingredients, was that when you kind of started doing more work with Zion? So, yeah, so I left, I left ingredients after the the training year because they they have the training program, which is really what I was, what I was interested in was, you know, that, that the ministry aspect and just the dance classes, learning about my faith, things like that. So after that first year of the training program, I, you know, kind of stayed in Texas. Like I said, God was like, nope, stay here, stay here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So stayed here in Texas and I didn't connect with Zion until their winter series. So I actually, yep, actually still fairly new to Zion. They had their winter series in December 2022, so just recently. Mm-hmm. And it was there that, you know, still learned so much about the Lord, so much about dance, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the new year, so starting January 1st here of 2023, is when I started dancing with them, performing with them, training with them, things like that. Okay, very cool. Well, that's exciting yeah. to, yeah, just to see like, those different places along the journey. And I feel like yeah. I kind of skipped over this, but I'd love to hear if we rewind a little bit, Yeah, how you got into kind of the photography videography side. And then when did you start your own production company in the timeline there? So yeah, getting in, getting into uh, the production side of things, it has honestly been a work in progress for the last two years. Cool. Okay. It has been just a lot of behind the scenes work, trying to lay a good foundation for building a business and ensuring that, you know, it succeeds. And so what that looked like was just a lot of market research, 
especially here in Dallas, you know, kind of seeing what what is here in Dallas dance wise, entertainment wise, things like that, where the need is. Right. And and figuring out figuring out that because you can't you can't really start a business or start offering something if there's no need there. Mm, you know? Yeah. That's good truth. Yeah. Yeah. So just just figuring out where that need is, product research, figuring out what equipment I needed, what like what I needed to be doing to ensure that you know, this is good quality and mm-hmm. it's successful. A lot of training on my end, you know, I I would say I've pretty much, I'm not going to say mastered because you always have something to learn, but have become a pretty good connoisseur of the Adobe Creative Suite. So that's Lightroom, Photoshop, Premiere, Rush, Adobe Stock, like all those nice, things. Nice, yeah. And then just like figuring out the why, laying the mission, the vision, and then the website. So Websites are no joke. It's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, getting it going. Oh, it's it's a lot of work. Not not only building like the the business side and that legal side of you know wanting to have a business, mm-hmm. but then like the face. It's like okay, this is what I'm publishing. This is what I'm putting out there. So that took a lot of work too, and it has been over the last couple months where I've felt released and comfortable to say, okay, I've got the equipment, I've got the lights, the camera, the setups, the rigs, let's start doing some things and let's start bringing these opportunities to people. So yes, that's awesome. And so it was really probably right around that Project Dance Houston time where you were launching it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I I did some, I've, I've done some different things in Orlando that I kind of use because, because I did, I did photography mainly in Orlando. Okay. So that's also kind of where this stemmed from. Uh, coming to Texas, you know, took a break from all that to do ingredients. But so I, I started doing little things here in Dallas, just, you know, just connecting with people and things of that nature. But definitely it was it was definitely right around Project Dance where I was like, let's put out a table. Let's actually start like marketing this. And it was great because I got the opportunity to shoot Mako's. They performed at Project Dance, got the opportunity nice. to shoot their video and their piece that they actually performed that weekend. So it was just, it was really cool. Made a lot of great connections out. Yeah, for sure. And I love that video, by the yeah. way. I've been seeing like the clips oh, of it thank online. You. And yeah, thank you, thank you, so thank cool. You. Um, so everyone should check yeah. that out. I can link to that as well. But yeah, okay. I'm excited because we have some time to talk about just the business yeah. side and like, how do we... I have excellence in that element as well and not yeah. not kind of neglect it as artists because I think it is kind of a an area that's maybe lacking <laughs> for a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of artists is you know there's kind of the poor artist mentality struggling artists struggling artists, artists starving artists exactly uh, exactly and it's like you know yep. it doesn't have to be that way No it does not Yeah so when did your passion really first like develop for for this area and helping artists yeah. thrive financially. Yeah, honestly, with the start of the production, mm-hmm. with the start of that, you know, I, I, it, it all goes hand in hand for me. You know, it's it's I'm I'm creating and I'm I'm building this production company to allow for you know quality resources, quality material, opportunities for dancers, actors who at what whichever kind of artist you know it's not it's not a, a limited production company like yeah for example i i shot an audition for a client of mine and we were like okay we want to shoot this audition but we want it to stand out and not blend in with all the other people who just sit in front of a wall in a blank background 
So we actually, like, we actually created a little set. We did that, recorded them. He booked it, you know? Nice, so nice. Just, yeah. just things like that, right? Production side, opportunities, resources, quality, quality uh, tools, material, things like that. But what good is it to have those opportunities? What good is it to, you know, book the things, get paid for the things? What What good is it to do that if you don't know how to wisely steward it? Mm. Because then, you know, like in, in my experience, you get you get a big check or you get you get paid for a gig or, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're doing. But entertainment is not like other work jobs, other corporate jobs where, you know, you get insurance benefits, you get like that health, that dental, Mm -hmm. that life insurance benefits, those, those retirement plans, those 401ks, like you, we don't get those. We don't get those. And, and a lot of the time too, we're W9 employees, independent contractors. Yeah. So there's no taxes taken out either. And because you're an independent contractor, it usually ends up being a little bit more like 22, 25% in taxes. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more. And so then we're getting these checks, not really understanding what we should be doing with them, how we should be allocating it towards those benefits for ourselves. And, you know, we pay bills with it, spend money on it, et cetera. And then tax season rolls around and we owe a ton of money. And not only that, but you reach the age where you can't perform anymore. You don't want to be an entertainer anymore and you want to retire, but you've got nothing to retire on because for the last 25, 30 years, you know, you haven't been focused and looking at that future. And so now you got to go find another job because you're at retirement age and you don't have enough money to live comfortably. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big issue, not just like across the United States as a whole, because there are so many, and I, I don't know the exact statistic off the top of my head right now, but majority of Americans are thousands of dollars in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, don't have enough money in a savings account and have barely any money in a retirement account. Mm-hmm. And those statistics are even more true for the quote unquote struggling artists, starving actors and right. things of that nature. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really so true and sad in a lot of ways because it's like, oh man, there's yeah. there's tools, there's resources out there. But like practically speaking, what are some maybe like just very straightforward things that that people that are listening could be doing, you know, to start, like you said, allocating things and taking a little bit more ownership, I guess, of how they're stewarding their money. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the one of the biggest rules, one of the best rules that the company I work for teach. So just just a little hindsight. I'm I'm also a licensed financial coach and financial planner. Oh, cool. Yeah, this li- makes sense. So, yeah, it all connects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, right. License, license and insurance, license and investments and securities, you know, just to put that out there. So I'm not, I'm not just spitballing things that I'm like looking at on YouTube. I help artists. I've actually had meetings all this week with different artists and dancers and honestly, just families across the board. Like I I sit down with them daily, but thank you. Thank you. But one of the biggest things that we teach and we educate on is you want to pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. So the same way that, you know, in, in church, we teach, give the Lord the first 10% or the first fruits. Right. Right. So 
what you want to do is like from that Christian standpoint, you want to take your 10% tithe, mm-hmm. but then you also want to take 10% for yourself at the beginning of the month. And so whatever you get your first paycheck or whatever, you know, you take 10% out, pay your tithe, but then you also want to take 10% out and pay yourself. And that's not, that's not, okay, I got spending money now to, right. to go to the <laughs> movies or do this or do that. No, that 10% should be used and say, okay, how am I going to allocate this 10%? If I don't have, if I don't have any employee benefits, do I need to be looking at, you know, health insurance coverage, life insurance coverage, you know, things of that nature? Do I need to be looking at that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Take some of that 10%. That goes there. Then what you have left, you put towards a retirement account. You want to put towards investments. Th- similar things like if you're not an employee, yeah. it's recommended to put your funds in mutual funds account that are in Roth IRAs as the investment vehicle. Mm-hmm. The reason being is because most 401k plans with their employer, they match what you put in. Mm-hmm. So obviously if they're matching, you want to take the free money, right? Yeah. They're going to match what you put in, take that money. But if you don't have an employer who's matching, it's recommended to put it in a Roth IRA because a Roth IRA is taxed on the front end on the contributions you put in. And a 401k is taxed on the back end on the amount that's accumulated. Right. So it's a difference between paying taxes on, you know, $50,000 that you invest and 1.5 million when you pull it out. That's a huge tax difference. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the first step would be take that 10%, pay yourself first, allocate it to the benefits that you need and start planning for your retirement now. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to, you know, the later years, let's say 30, 35, 40, 45, and that's when you start thinking about retirement, you're going to have to play a whole lot of catch up to try to reach those numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? that's so true. So, yeah. Anyone that's listening, that's like early 20s, you know, mid 20s, like this is the time. Start now. This is your time. Because <laughs> it now. is really crazy when you look at like the charts and the tables of just the the way the compound interest kind of stuff works and how yeah. things grow so much over time and the time is your best friend in that, in that case. So that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's essentially, that's why I decided to get licensed. That's why I decided to get into it. I was like, I'm right now I'm building, I'm building a business, right? I I'm, I'm getting this thing going, you know, laid the foundation, starting to get out there. When I start doing the same thing and handing people checks mm-hmm. and, you know, paying people for this and paying people for that and paying people. I don't want to be like every other business owner or every other employer or, you know, like other people who give opportunities to people without teaching them how, what to wisely do with that. Mm, Right. Cause then, cause then I just, I would just be contributing to the problem and contributing to the starving actor, the struggling, struggling performer, struggling artist thing Mm -hmm. by being another person who gives the money, yeah. but is not showing the people that are getting the money how to be wise with it, you know? So when we start doing that and the reason like partnering, you know, the business side of things with the entertainment and opportunity side of things, you know, you really start to build a different type of culture within the artist community of individuals who 
you know, have the know-how, have the understanding, have the knowledge of what to do. And eventually that stereotype will go away Yeah. because it's like, oh no, they're not, they're not struggling. They're not like, they're not doing, they actually really know how to handle their money. You know, this is, this is, you know what I mean? Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Be able to shift the community, uh, the perception even in the, yes, that's exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's two different sides of this because for myself, I'm also kind of in that entrepreneur, like boat (laughs) starting something starting a business yeah so i'm curious to talk a little bit more about that but maybe before we get there just on the general you know performer side artist side any other pitfalls that you've seen so one is maybe not not paying yourself you know you're just kind of spending Mm. it um any other pitfalls that you've seen uh taxes Mm, yeah taxes taxes is a big one and the reason being is because you know like i said most most gigs it's just a check it's it's a independent contract you know, and they, you know, they get the, they, they calculate and they keep track of, you know, their taxes and all that stuff. They're not going to pay your taxes for you. Mm -hmm. Right. But they hand you the check and then you're responsible for paying that at the end of the year. So if you're not a W2 employee, if you're a gig worker or you're on some type of independent contract, I know, I even know of some studios like dance studios here in Texas Mm -hmm. that don't have their employees as W2, but W9. Mm -hmm. That's a big one because I've gotten messed up years past because I didn't have that knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh man, a couple thousand dollar check. Let's go. Yeah. And then tax season rolls around and it's like, hey, actually, you owe a couple thousand dollars. (laughs) So make sure that you are just aware of what you're bringing in, what your tax bracket is, what you should be paying. And aside from paying yourself first, if you're doing independent gigs, you could keep track of it in like QuickBooks or things like that, mm-hmm. like uh, just different different uh, accounting sites that make it really easy yeah. so that you know what you need to put aside for taxes at the end of the year. Yeah, that's super good and very practical, yeah. which is awesome. So yeah, for someone who's like just starting out, any first steps you would say to take or next steps, like any resources that you recommend? Next steps, get properly educated. Mm-hmm. That would be... That would be what I would say. I mean, if anybody who's listening that wants to talk more about this stuff, feel free to reach out to me. Love to sit down and, and talk, but proper education is is a big one. I say all the time, what incentives do companies have to educate you financially? None. They don't have they don't have an incentive because when you're not educated, when when you don't understand, you know, the rules of money, you play their game. Right. Because their game, the the wealthy companies, the top the Fortune 500s, you know, banks, uh, CEO, all this stuff, employers even. Right. Most employers don't sit their employees down, even if you work at a, a corporate job and things like that. They don't sit their employees down and give them a financial plan and teach them about, you know, the rules of money and what they should be doing. They don't have an incentive to do that, because if they do that, then you'll end up being financially free, financially independent. And they don't want that. They want workers. They want workforce. So it, it's it's really about it, like kind of like the cringy Christian saying, right? You got to take the scales off the eyes mm-hmm. and and really see what is going on and understand that, you know, we end up playing other people's games 
But when you have the education, when you have the knowledge, when you have the wisdom, you can play that game for yourself, make it work for you. So that's, that's the big one I would say is next steps, get educated because people perish for lack of knowledge. Yeah. They want to get educated. As far as like the entrepreneurial side of it and starting a business. Yeah. Any like key things that you've learned along the way so far? Your network is important. Your network mm-hmm. is so important. The connections that you make is so important. You know, one of the things that I learned and uh, I took a public speaking class in college and uh, even in ingredients, we did some, we did some public speaking things. And that is one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. Right. Yeah, it, it is. You put, you put somebody on, on a stage or in front of people or give them a mic, you know, it's, it's stage fright and public speaking. Mm-hmm. But when you're building a business, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this and other people have heard this in regards to arts, but I feel like it applies to business too. It's not what you know, but it's who you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So building your, building your network, building your community, building your environment and your circle of, you know, good, strong people, good, strong connections man, it will, it will start to, it will start to really, really take off. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that I've just come to grips with and come to understanding is, you know, I got to step out of my comfort zone and just talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, just, just talk to people and do my best to get them to hear the mission and vision and my heart and, you know, just talk to them and see if they want to work together. Like I went to an audition a couple of days ago uh-huh. and uh, I was in there and I was sitting in the audition and I was looking at a room full of dancers and I was like, you know what? I got to go network. So I got up from where I was sitting at mm-hmm. and tried to talk to every single person. I got their contact. I know where they're from. I, I just make connections because the more connections you have, the more reach you have. You know? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's so so good. And speaking of, do you want to share your mission for your business right now? And like, you've kind of, I think, sprinkled it into our conversation. But if you want to share yeah. that, so people know and they're interested in working with you, absolutely. Yeah, essentially, where where that where that came from, where that mission comes from, is there's an elite almost of of performers, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we live in Dallas. Well, I live in Dallas. You know, yeah, we're we're in that that Texas area. Texas, right? Houston, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we we live in that Texas area, so we know that you know Texas is not really a bustling hub for arts and entertainment the way California is, mm-hmm. New York City, Atlanta, Georgia. You know, those are even even Florida, Orlando. Like you have Miami, mm-hmm. um, and Orlando. You know, since I've left, has really really been growing. Hopefully not because of my absence, but no, just, kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But, you know, you, you have those major cities, mm-hmm. right? And even when you're in those major cities, it is very, very hard to break into that professional type of scene, For right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So essentially the mission comes from being here in Dallas and seeing so many talented people. Like so many, so many talented individuals in contemporary jazz, hip hop, I mean, just all over the case that are just not getting the opportunities afforded to them. So if I could put it into, 
you know, a very condensed version is the mission is to afford people the opportunities, give them the resources that they need to achieve those opportunities and ensure that they're receiving quality in order to make those opportunities happen. Does that make sense? So yeah. rather than like in the case of the, the, the client that I had film the audition, rather than just setting him up in front of a backdrop and recording the audition, you know, in front of a, a black, black backdrop, which I have, mm-hmm. we were like, you know what, let's stand out. Let's do something where we could stand out. Now, normally a videographer to do something like that on a location, you could be paying $150, $200 an hour, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. well, I worked with him. We figured it out. We talked, you know, we, we came to a conclusion and we set up a little set for him on a location, filmed his audition and he booked the commercial, awesome. you know? So yeah. that's, that's, that's how that mission with paired with like actually doing it kind of works. Does that, mm-hmm. does that kind of make sense? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Thanks Absolutely. for sharing. So that's really cool. Yeah. Something that I like to ask everyone that comes on the show, is there something on your heart right now that you'd like to share with other artists? I would say, don't stifle your gift. That's what I would say. I, I've, I've come into contact with a lot of people who are very talented and have a lot of gifts, but have either been told, you know, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. That's not a real job. Like things like that. Yeah. And they're unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. you know and they they kind of they kind of have some regrets as far as like oh i wish i would have i wish i would have done this or i wish i would have pursued this or i'm working mm-hmm. a job right now and i'm just not happy so that's that's what i would say is don't stifle your gift if you if you want something if you want to do something there's always ways to make it happen and part of the mission and vision of the productions is you know being a being a kingdom minded you know, entrepreneur mm-hmm. is is finding those ways for people to make it happen for themselves without compromising their morals, without compromising their values, without compromising who they are. So yeah, there are good. ways it can be done. I'm doing it. I've done it. Call me. <laughs> Contact me. I'd love to love to to talk to you about. Love that. And I always also like to ask, what is one of your favorite things right now? And this is seriously just a fun question. Whatever comes to mind. So one of your favorite things. One of my favorite things is being outdoors. Yes. I I love the outdoors. I, I work a lot, you know, so between being inside dance studios and being inside my own my own home, working from home. Mm-hmm. And traveling to to different places for for some gigs and things like that. I love taking a moment to sit outside and just relax. That is one of my favorite things. Love it. That's a great answer. (laughs) And right now it's like a great time of year for that too. So I know it's so beautiful. So nice. So before we wrap up today, I wanted to let people know where they can connect with you and either if they just want to chat or to potentially work with you and to check out your production company. It's M Medina Productions, right? Yep. mmedinaproductions.com. Awesome. So yeah. So mmedinaproductions.com. And then where are you at on like social media and stuff? Uh, so you can find my personal profile. It's on Instagram and it'll be underscore marcus.medina underscore. So essentially space marcus.medina 
Medina and then another space. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, definitely excited for people to check out your work and get to connect with you. And yeah. it's so cool that we got to connect to Project Dance. And I'm so glad that, yes, that you're yes. doing what you're doing with artists and, yeah. and Dallas. And yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time to share and no, thank sharing you. your story and also just some really great wisdom with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Find all the links, full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. If you're interested in supporting the show, some great ways to do that are to share it with a friend, to rate and review wherever you're listening, and then also if you're interested in giving financially, you can check out our Patreon community where you get bonus content each month and have a special part in helping make this podcast possible. You can access our Patreon community on the link at our website or by going to creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you all so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. I'll see you next time, friends.